One of the letters had at once attracted Richard's attention, not only because the envelope was addressed in red ink, but because he seemed to have seen the writing before. He opened the letter and read, Dear Monsieur Manager, The first night at bed, when you left crying, Ron made out with two girls and put his head in between a cocktail waitress's breasts. Multiple people in the house know. Therefore, you should know the truth. Your most humble and obedient servant, Opera Ghost. Yes. Okay. Amazing. Amazing. We're here. We're here. It's happening. All right. I'll stop eating. I'm cooking now. <laughs> ASMR, Phantom of the Opera. It's an ASMR podcast. We we contain multitudes. Do we have stuff that we want to cover before we get into back into the book, back into the text? Um, I saw the show recently again. You did. This is 17 and mm-hmm. it was cool. I saw it with like other phantom people. And this might be a good segue into our chapters because we got to talk to the current Andre. Um, we went to the stage door and talked to the current Andre on Broadway, who's like, this is so great. He was the one we saw. Remind me what his name is. Mahal is- Joshi. Yeah, so we got to talk to current Andre manager on Broadway, Nahal Joshi, and he was so nice. And we were definitely uh, completely sober, just gushing about how amazing <laughs> the managers were. It was great. Um, so that like lifted my spirit. You got to see Kanisha. Yes, um, Kanisha Marie Feliciano, who's the she's the swing, I believe, for Christine. She's the first Latina um, woman to be Christine, and she was great. She was amazing. So I like we ran and did the matinee, and then we ran to dinner, and then we ran and saw the show again. It was a lot, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. Great weekend and uh, great chapters this week on the managers. So I'm I'm living for the managers right now. The managers are absolutely hilarious. I was kind of bummed when I realized we were getting two chapters on them with not very much Rick, but the Rick that we do have is really quite a presence. And also, these men are so funny, and Gaston Leroux is so rude. And I just had a great time reading it. It's so, it's truly the shadiest thing I've read in a while. And that's, that's saying something, because I do, I'm on the internet. But all right. So we've got chapter four, uh, which is called Box Five. Ever heard of it? Mm-hmm. And the narrator slash Gaston Moreau, whatever we're going to call him, the narrator, starts off gossip with girl. some bangers. Yeah, Gossip Girl pops in with some bangers and says, Armand Moncharmand wrote such voluminous memoirs <laughs> that we are perfectly entitled to ask how, especially during his lengthy term as co-director of the opera, he ever found time to do anything towards running the place beyond setting down everything that went on there. He's basically, it was like a, he's a society writer. He's a gossip columnist. I love it. Most he are, is gossip girl. Well, so I, no, I think Gaston Leroux is gossip girl. Right. Mon, how are you pronouncing it? Monchard. Monchard. I can't Mon-Char. pronounce it. So here's what I'm calling him. He's Dumois. Yes. He's rich also. He's wealthy. He said, I want to manage the opera, but I don't want to do very much actual managing. So let me find some other fool to do that work. Enter Mr. I'm going to call him Mr. And you all are going to deal with it. Mr. Firmin Richard. Gaston's energy toward that man. Incredible. Um, Recently, (laughs) this is niche corner, but we got a remix of Antihero by Taylor Swift. 
in which Jack Antonoff sings, it seems like everyone's an art bro lately. This is who he's talking about, Thurman. And so, yeah, he... He describes, he goes to Dumont and he, he he describes who this person is. And you're like, okay. And then just slowly is tearing this man slightly apart. Also, every description of these men by another man is a bit sensual. Listen, one thing Gaston Leroux is going to do is tell you if a man has fine eyes. Yes. Him and, him and uh, Fitzwilliam Darcy share an appreciation for fine eyes. Oh. Um, he said, not handsome enough to tempt me about... Mr. Fairman Richard, 51. <laughs> I like how said he's published chamber music, which is highly thought of by devotees of the genre. I didn't know if that was shady or not, but in my heart, it felt shady. Like, oh, he writes chamber music. Yeah. My favorite part is at the end, it says, as to Wagner, Richard claims that he was the first and perhaps the only person in France to have really understood him. The way early 20s Kara would fist fight this man at a party <laughs> is it, like I was triggered by this. I was like, no, 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 no. Like he's coming up with some music hot takes that I, I can't. Oh, yeah, you're the only person who understands John Lennon. Congratulations. Oh my gosh. No, I love it. I love it. It's just great stuff. I just love them. Yeah. And so this is absolutely <laughs> every single person is being destroyed. He's doing the work. Yeah. So so we introduce these two people. We got this long-winded dude who knows nothing about music, and then we have an art bro who sucks. And they're they're just getting settled. They've completely forgotten about that whole thing where they're like, "Hey, by the way, there's a guy who will like murder you if you don't do everything he says." And they're just like, "Well, that's clearly like a fun prank. We're we're moving past it." Um and so then we meet Monsieur Remy, who yes, as you said earlier, is just, I assume, Remy the rat from Ratatouille. Yep. I mean, it's the obvious joke, but if we don't make it, like, what are we doing? That's all we're here to do. To just... Yeah, that's all we're here to do. Um, my notes do just say these two are in love. We have no evidence to back this up, but I know in my heart that they, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking ahead in my notes and I'm just, like, getting more excited by the moment. It's great. Oh, me too. So then they're just like, ah, it's fine, whatever. So then Remy shows up. He's got a bunch of mail. And he sees a letter that looks real familiar because it's written in the red gel pen that we saw before in the crazy handwriting. Rick's um, childish handwriting. Yeah, the childish busted handwriting that had amended the, the contract of the opera house. Red like big crayons that you get in like Princeton. He's been a Swifty this whole time. Yeah, because yeah, he's, red. he's red, and also yeah, he's got he's got a list of names, and yours is in red underlined. And unfortunately, that's the manager's. Yeah. I can't. Why are we? Why did we have a podcast? I don't know. Because my my next line in all caps, Rick is a whole bit. Um, and this and is I, the discourse that people need. Yeah, this letter slaps. This is literally the snooky letter to to jaywell should we read it yeah. can i read it my body's ready it's this is unbelievable the emails if these people had microsoft outlook in 1884 it would be crazy um dear director i apologize for taking up your valuable time just now when you are busy deciding the fate of the opera's greatest artists renewing important contracts and drafting new ones all with a breadth of vision and understanding of the theater a knowledge of the public and its tastes, 
and an unquestionable authority, which, speaking as one with long experience of these matters, I find quite astonishing. He said I'm something of a scientist myself. (laughs) (laughs) I know what you have decided for La La Carlotta, La Sorelli, and the Jam Girl, and for one or two others in whom you have seen admirable signs of promise of talent or genius. You will surely know who I have in mind when I use those words. (laughs) Obviously not Carlotta, who can't sing to save her life and should have never left Las Ambassadors or the Café Jacques. Side note, that man is saying Carlotta used to work at the Starlight Diner in time. Simply, this is also the part in notes in the musical where they're just like, oh, look, we got a letter. And then they're just reading it. And then like their voices like stop. They stop reading for a second because they're like, oh, this man's reading us to fill. Nora La Sorelli, who owes her success mostly to the way she's built, nor the jam girl who dances like a cow in a field, nor Christine Daae, who has genius, but is assiduously sidelined and denied the chance of creating a role in an important new production. Still, you are free to manage your little affairs as you think best, are you not? (laughs) Your little affairs. He said they're doing little... He's like, I know that you're writing down that you're showing up at 9, you're showing up at 10.30... You take half an hour to make a coffee and then you kind of settle down right before lunch to maybe answer an email. He's like, I see you because I'm in the walls. <laughs> I also think, and we we did discuss this before we started recording, uh, that Rick is jealous of La Sorelli because it's just, it's women not supporting women um, on gender <laughs> because he's like, there can only be one hot girl and it's unfortunately me. And so he he says, Carlotta, go back to the Starlight Diner, which, you know, obviously those people work so hard. Um, however, before you get round to showing Christine Dye the door, I deeply love the idea that Christine's about to get fired. Like, Christine Dye does seem like the kind of girl where you're like, every single person's like, how has she not been fired? She doesn't even know how to clock in. And she leaves, I don't know if she knows that she only gets 15 minutes for lunch. She's on her phone for 25 in the back. Okay, now I'm feeling, (laughs) she's just like me. Um, (laughs) The Paris Opera, as we will see, is a right to work state and Christine could go at any time. No, No. (laughs) I do, I also like, you know, sometimes you read a book where like, you know, oh, this manic pixie dream girl, like she's so perfect and everyone loves her. Everyone's just like, Christine Dye is late to work every day. And it seems like she has not been spoken to about it. Like, I do like that she's not, she's not Sorelli. She's not Carlotta. She's just truly in the background. Like she forgets her lunch two out of five days of the week. Uh, he says, however, before you get round to showing Christine Dye the door, I would like to hear her sing Cybel. Given that she has not been offered the role of Marguerite, despite her great success last week, I would be obliged if you do not allow my box to be used today, nor the next few days, for I will not end this letter without mentioning how surprised I was the other day when I came to the opera, only to be informed that you had left instructions at the ticket office that tickets for my box had been sold. I I just think it's funny how... He's like, I just wanted to, this is actually a cordial letter. And I do just think it's funny how I did notice that. I, yeah. I also like that he's like, please don't use my box in the next couple of days. His whole thing is like, never use it. 
So he says, my ultimate favorite line that I've ever seen, I have not taken the matter further first because I hate scandal. And that was a lie. This is a man who uh, I believe had just crashed a dinner party dressed as death itself. But <laughs> sure. Secondly, because I imagine your predecessors, Messieurs Debian and Poligny, who always treated me with consideration, had probably forgotten to mention my little eccentricities to you before they left. I L- little eccentricities. That is literally like that's like when you're dating someone and they're like, oh, like, you know, I've been described as like high maintenance and then you like this person's a nightmare. <laughs> this man's like, I just have a couple things that like are non-negotiables. <laughs> it's like, I need half a million dollars. Um, let me finish this letter. However, yes. I have just received their answer to my request for an explanation from which it is clear that you knew all about my memorandum of articles and conditions and that consequently you've been treating me with outrageous contempt. If you want relations between us to be cordial, don't start by evicting me from my box. I remain, sir, yours, etc. Signed, P of the Opera. The P stands for Paul. (laughs) Outrageous contempt. He said outrageous contempt. And then ended with like, it's all good otherwise, though. You're a friendly neighborhood fan of the opera. He said, no worries if not. Now, these letters are accompanied by clippings. From, like, some newspaper, why did the former managers apologize to this man in the newspaper? And here I've written, notes app apology, Kara, vibe check. Yes, this is a notes app apology, and they they publish it in the newspaper. They say, P of the O, uh, Richard and Washamon have behaved unforgivably. We explained the situation, so, like, because they were blaming them, the old managers, and made sure they received a copy of your memo of conditions, respect. This is on the teaching profession, CYA, or cover your ass. And so they're trying not to go. So then Richard and Marshaman, Marshaman walks in. They have the same, they both got the same letter. And they're just like, they bust out laughing. They're like, these men are so rude about our faves. But also, uh, Dumois is making some insinuations about, hmm, that sure is a lot of attention that they're paying to Christine. And then they said... Uh, there's not a blot on her reputation. As we know, Eric always in his reputation era. But also (laughs) that they're like, you know, reputation doesn't mean anything. It could cover sins. And then Monchaman's like, I have a reputation for knowing all about music, but I don't know (laughs) shit about music. And no one's saying that. Bestie, you don't have that reputation, actually. Many people are saying I'm actually a musical expert. And Richard's like, that is simply not the case. And I would say they they then proceed to do like half a day of work or whatever, you know. Yeah, they they literally clock out early and then they get a thank you note from Rick. Yeah. He's the best. Oh, because they were like, all right, these guys are being, the, the prior managers are being absolutely ridiculous. We are not giving them tickets for life, but we'll give them tickets to like tonight or whatever. So sure, right. there you go. So like, because they did that, no one sat in box five, which is the whole point. And so, and Rick wanted to sit there. So he sends a thank you note and he says, dear director, many thanks. Very pleasant evening. Die exquisite. Choruses need attention. La Carlotta, a great but characterless voice. We'll be in touch soon regarding the 240,000 francs to be precise, 233,424 francs and 70 centimes 
Debian and Polyne remitted the 6,575 francs 30 for the first two days of the year's payment. Their contract ended on the 10th. Regards, P of the O. The way that it was, his salary was really prorated because these men said, okay, we're not paying for the whole month. We will, however, be paying for our part of the month. We are going to, okay, and we are seeing that Rick has cashed the check. Got it. Mm -hmm. Um, We're done. We're done here. They really paid for 10 days. I I don't know why that's specifically hilarious, but. It's so funny. And I also like that he's got, he's got the spreadsheet open on his computer and he's like, if you want to get technical, it is, I'm waiting for that 70 cents, which is the energy I come at my landlord with. But I did like to see that he also does that. I'm going to extort you, but not for more than the uh, agreed upon amount. Not, I mean, you didn't agree to it. I agreed to it, but you know, there's that. <laughs> yeah, what I've agreed to. And then the managers also wrote a little text to the current managers and they go, hi, we weren't fucking joking. We are not sitting Le- in box five. Please stop trying to make us sit in box five. Do you want us to die? Goodbye. Yeah. They're like, go reread the, did you not see the gel pen? That was not a joke. Yeah. Um, Herman here, hell's teeth, that pair of jokers are beginning to test my patience. I love that. Yeah. And so then they put up the box five, um, tickets because they're expensive (laughs) and, you know, they're not going to not sell out. They're, they are Ticketmaster. Yes. Yes, they are Ticketmaster. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the energy I would say of the next day when they get there, it's like, it's the one day you're like, I'm going to go set my stuff down and then go get coffee. And then you spend the next two hours and 15 minutes. Like I've never regretted not getting coffee more. And also maybe it wouldn't be happening if I'd gotten my coffee, but wow, they didn't, they arrive, they arrive at work. And um, yeah, no, it is literally, that is, that is what's going on is that they, you know, they put their stuff down and then immediately huge HR issue. And so uh, the secu- apparently there's security at the opera house, which is <laughs> in theory, there's in theory, there's security. There's like a rent-a-cop. There's a mall cop. Right. And so this guy's like, Hey, we sold the tickets to box five. I had to get the cops to clear out box five at the beginning in the middle of act two, because people were screaming and <laughs> laughing and making, and I just want to say, I do feel for this man because I was at Wicked the Musical on Wednesday. Um, oh, no. And I was sitting behind a three-year-old, her two seven-year-old siblings, and that was the vibe. I almost said something, and I'm not that person, but it was crazy. They were just audibly talking and making comments the whole time. <laughs> and then, like, finally in the last, I kid you not, the last 10 minutes of the show, their dad goes, be quiet. And then they were quiet for the rest of the show. And I'm like, you couldn't have said that? No. Minute one of that? So uh, I do, I I have recently experienced loud laughter and ribald comments. So <laughs> I, I well, and remember the time we were at Phantom and as the show ended, like it was like, we were in kind of the side of the mezzanine. It was coming to blows in the, in the section next to us. Yeah. Like, oh my God. People, which apparently the Majestic has been something of a uh, fight club lately. I don't know. Like, there's people looking at their phones and going to the Old Navy website during the show. Apparently right. people are loud. But there was a there was a brawl about to take place in the section next to us. So 
you know, yeah. I guess that's how wicked was too. It was cra- like people were like looking up the show during the show. And I'm like, just listen. They'll, they'll yeah. explain it. We could say that they're honoring the energy of LaRoe, but they're not. They're absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, so then people are like telling them to shut up. So me, the me's of the 1885 are telling them to be quiet. And then yeah. finally they got the usher and they couldn't control themselves. They were saying stupid things. Um, they warned them to shut up. They hear laughing again immediately. People are like, it's coming to blows. And so yeah. and finally they, uh, they asked for a refund and then they would leave and uh they had to get ejected yeah Herman's like get this fucking guy in here immediately what are we what are we doing let me see uh secretary remy we get a little bit more information about remy the ratatouille um and i just wanted Indeed. to say that rep- representation does matter this man is just a 24 year old underpaid personal yes and <laughs> he's just so tired already yeah i've noted here project gutenberg doesn't care about mr remy guest on the road oh. says know him yeah i have also he's 24 his work outfits are in point. He's got a salary of uh, 24,000 francs, no, count, whatever. 2,400. 20, that's right. 2,400 a year, which, all right, we could check it for inflation, but since we're not scholarly, I promise no. it's not enough because they say he's doing the paperwork. He's handing the complimentary tickets. So I've worked in box offices. Like, fucking nobody is as annoying with people with complimentary tickets. He has to make small talk with people waiting to see the director. Oh my god. He, he has to visit the sick artist so he too can become like viral in the bad way. Um Wait. and he can be dismissed without notice because he's not on the official payroll. And like perhaps we're missing context and this actually means he's a baller, like he's in the mafia or something. But for me, it doesn't sound like it's going great for him. He No, this man, I just imagine like a skittish, like uh the guy who's always following Gaston around in <laughs> Oh no. Yeah, like just like, but like, not as fun. Like he's just miserable. He's he's trying so hard. It's like he can't. Like it's not an unpaid internship because he is technically getting paid, but not yeah. enough, man. Not it's enough. The stipend. It's the classic. You get a stipend at the end internship. Uh-huh. It's just a nightmare. So he's like, he's bringing his coffee from home, and like the managers are like, "Why don't you just go to Starbucks?" And he's like, "I'm so poor. Please pay me more." That's exactly like, it. No, that is exactly it. <laughs> So he shows up, so this the security guy shows up, and he's like, why were those people laughing so hard during this show? It's not that funny of a show. And they're like, I don't know. I guess they were talking about the dinner. Um, they hit the Chili's happy hour, like, hard before coming to the show. Went straight to the show after bottomless mudslides. Exactly. So yeah, there's a voice saying this box is taken. It's very weird. And they're, like, already freaked out. Richard is, like, exhausted. Uh, Mom Sherman is yeah. still laughing a little bit. <laughs> the poor inspector, like, he's so nervous that he, he does the nervous smile. And since Dumois is smiling, he thinks it's fine. Oh, it's not fine. Oh, my God. I do that all the time, too. And yeah. I'm like, I'm not laughing. I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> Please get me out of here. And so they're like, no one was in the box, but someone was yelling in the box. And uh, the box, the box attendant says, well, it's the, it's the Phantom of the Opera. Like, I don't, we've gone over this before. And everyone's laughing um, and Richard starts freaking out and they're like, get this woman to us because what the heck. Richard is getting so fed up. It says he shuts down this man with a thunderous silence. And it's like, who are you? He demands 
bullet points on this phantom character quickly. Have you seen him? This man says, absolutely not. And, um, and it's so funny. They're like, how has no one seen this guy, but everyone's on board with this man? It's it's really funny. I mean, they're just making, they could be just making this guy out <laughs> blaming everything on him. Richard says, it's a pity. Why is he saying pity? Because everyone who hasn't seen him can celebrate Christmas on the unemployment line since he seems to be everywhere. And you all are saying you never saw him. And this is where he says, I like people who do their jobs conscientiously. And this is where I knew that he's funny, but he also sucks. Like, I bet he, this man thinks that time theft is real. Like, he makes them have accountability meetings. He's not fun. Quiet quitting at the Paris. And they're simply not. <laughs> it doesn't. Just, like these people, they you know they showed up at ten thirty in the morning and they're or and they're leaving at three or they're taking a long lunch and just leaving from there. Like don't give me that, Manchamon. So the the bosses at one of my works used to check up on us from the yacht as we would be working on Memorial Day and um I think that I think this man would do that. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> I really do. Rick would be like, I, that's disrespectful. He probably is also set fire to the yacht. But, yeah, it's just not a good day at work for anybody at this point. Exactly. And now we have Chapter 5, Box 5 Continued. The inspector is scared out of his mind. Like, he, too, should have rolled in with his emotional support chai latte. Um <laughs> And it's so funny because Gaston Leroux says this man is like, okay, Richard isn't looking at me. Let me just inch toward the door. And Richard hits him with a very powerful, like, Kendrick Lamar, sit down. And it's, no, Madame Giry has been sent for. She actually works two jobs. She's right. been snatched away from her day job. Then she's asked what her name is, and I'd love to cede the floor to you at this time. Thank you so much. Uh, she says, Madame Giry, but you know me, sir. <laughs> And she goes, uh, you know me, sir. I'm Meg Jiri's mother, little Meg. Ever heard of her? And then they say, no. No. We've never heard of you people. And then also, of course, Richard and also guests on the row, not to be outdone. They're like, her look is busted. Yes. She's not fancy. But it, I love her energy. She's like, first of all, I'm people. Gaston LaRoe says that when the people are gossiping backstage, if it gets a little too out of control, someone might hit you with a, now that's jury talk. Like, I love that. Um, the footnote says this is not necessarily the case. The word jury is older than Madame Jury. They were saying this shit in 1790, which means an exaggerated hypocritical grumble. Uh, and then it meant like it, they didn't really use it to be like you're pulling a jury in the way that he's saying it is what the editor says maybe she thinks they are see I didn't read the footnotes Hera's reading the footnotes she's taking this very seriously well, and very scholarly it, we know why I'm taking it seriously because this is my girl and as someone who writes Meg jury fan fiction ever heard of it um i am trying to get a little i i don't usually read the footnotes but i was reading the footnote for the the starlight diner Mm -hmm. because i didn't understand it and then i also read the one about the jury talk which is hilarious um pulling issues i mean i'm benefited from it yeah but yeah so they they were saying it's kind of gas on the road kind of bullshitting a little bit 
she starts in on when the other managers were first there and Richard is like, nope, start last night. Like he's going to go into shock if he doesn't put a Starbucks red eye like in his body. She's so mad that she can't say the whole thing and she's like about to leave, but then suddenly does not. She 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 turns and says, Oh, I'll tell you what happened. What had happened was Phantom of the Opera ever heard of him. You won't like him when he's angry. But speaking of won't like him when he's angry, Richard is about to hulk out so Dumois has to be like all right all right all right girl you know let's hear it you give me the tea all right and Madame Jury is like of course they heard a disembodied voice they were in the Phantom's box like what do you mean explain it it's the Phantom of the Opera of course I've never seen him but I don't lie is what she says too yes exactly but she's like (laughs) it's the Phantom of the Opera no I will not explain I did right Kara I stand in here She's like, ask everybody who works here, especially Isidore Sack, who had his leg broken by the Phantom. Just vibe check with you real quick. We head into like absolute hilarity at this point, as far as I'm concerned. It's ridiculous. I'm like, what do you mean? As is Dumois. Yeah. Like, hold on is the actual word that's used in this translation. Hold on. (laughs) So he's, he's he's like, the Phantom of the Opera broke this man's leg. Madame Jury, she pulls out her phone and makes a clown meme of them and airdrops it to them, like, in the moment. Like, she can't, but after she's collected herself, she's in shock that they do not know this information. When the other managers got there, they sold out the box after being told not to. People were in there, and Rick was, like, annoyed, but probably in a good mood for Rick, like, if he didn't kill anyone. So he started doing his own little mystery science theater commentary, like commenting on the show, but also on their personal lives, like right. telling this man, this man, like, oh, do you do you see your wife over there, bud? Like the Phantom doing disembodied comedy hour. Madame Jury pauses her story to say, now, am I boring you fellas? And they're like, no, ma'am. Um, <laughs> she says that the Phantom hilariously directed this man's attention to his wife having her hand kissed through the buttonhole of her glove, which is hot because I have watched Martin Scorsese's Age of Innocence. Now, right. um, the patron, this man, Madame Jury says, I didn't write down his name. She's like, now he was big and strong like you, Richard, big Paul Bunyan sort of a guy. Mr. Isidore was a very pre-super serum Steve Rogers, like uh, Monsieur Dumois here, no shade. Um the patron starts absolutely beating the shit out of Isidore Sack in the box, and the audience is yelling, like, stop, you'll kill him, it is what we want. Isidore Sack did manage to get away. Uh, Dumas says, I, you know, I actually did take offense, but so what you're saying is that the Phantom didn't actually personally break his leg then. Madame Giri is like, were you listening? Yes, he did. That man fell off the stairs because he was running so hard, like he's terrified of those stairs still. She says the phantom broke his leg because he got that woman's husband turned so bad that the man then had to flee from the box or else he clearly would not have fallen and broken his leg. And the managers are like, what the, What is this Rube Goldberg-ass description? For No. Okay, okay, okay. You never saw him, but you have spoken to him. And he says, what exactly? She's like, well, uh, asks for a footstool. And you had to text me about this. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I need a little footstool. And she's like, okay. And they're just like laughing their asses off because if he has like a little footstool, 
that means that he has like a like a little girlfriend who is sitting on the footstool, a little wife. Yeah, exactly. Like, and this is not a part I did a ton of research on, but it's it's clear even just from the way it's discussed in both versions that like it is absolutely out of the question that anyone other than a lady companion would be using the footstool. Right. That it's just not going to happen. So right. the managers men are do so big. Men are so big and strong; they don't need to put their little feet up. Yeah, well, maybe Isidore's sack, but we don't know. Um, right. He especially needs to now that the Phantom's broken his leg, but not really yeah. broken his leg. But okay, so the managers are hollering with laughter at this. Remy feels safe enough to laugh. The security guard is like, nope, you fool me once. <laughs> um, he can see that Madame Jury is like about to get very angry. <laughs> she says, instead of laughing at the Phantom, you better get like Monsieur Poligny. He found out the hard way. She said, fucked around and found out. Yes. Found out about what? Asked Dumas, who, again, David Coward, thank you, had never enjoyed himself so much. <laughs> just like, They're just, like, crying, laughing, just, like, yeah. fucking with this lady. Yeah, like, found out about what? About the Phantom, she says. She's like, I remember it like it was yesterday, and they were doing... So she talks about some show, I don't know. Madame Giri, at this point, in the manager's office, starts bursting out, and Dumois and the other guy are like, no, thank you, thank we you. We know the show. Familiar with the work. She's like, I won't be silent, so she has to finish the verse. And when we show. It's like, we yeah. know it. That Then she's like, alright, alright. So she had been watching the manager, like, observing the show, who then just gets up and sleepwalks out of the box, more or less. And, like, the, in truth, the lyrics of whatever the opera were are about something bad's going to happen. And we can infer that Rick was, like, sexually whispering it in this man's ear, like, something bad is about to happen to you, too, if you don't get out of my box. And I know that my voice is so hot that you think that you will like it, but here's the thing, you won't. Um, she's done. She's done telling the story. She's looking around for them to appreciate her impact. And they are like, what? does this have to do with him asking for footstools and then we there's footstool discourse like madame jury yes. says they have they have a routine he generally arrives halfway through the first act he does some some little little knocks she clarifies like no it is not a woman's voice it's a very soft man's voice mm -hmm. um he terrified her at first because she like went in the box and she could Rick famously knows how to throw his voice, doesn't he, Kara? Oh, we know that he does. It's. Uh, I it's also been... like that he like we've we've discoursed before about like him having a gentle voice and then like having his like evil when like... he wants to. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Um, also fun. This is this is fun discourse. I don't know if you remember when we joined the fandom, kind of ish at the same time. There was foot footstool discourse in yes. the fandom, and like people were really like fired up. Again, not a not an academic podcast, so we can't speak too much on it. But yeah, like describing his voice as like soft and uh, talking about a footstool, and then they're like, "Oh, is this is this ghost a woman?" And like kind of blurring those gender lines is like also fun and spooky. Yeah, it. yeah, no, and I ha I hesitate to get into it too much, but there's there's some, and again, we can always harness the power of editing, but like. The, the the words that are used, particularly in passages where, like, Raul is hearing Eric's voice, the way that, like, masculinity and femininity are, like, just the words that are used. There's some, real, there's some really interesting language choices coming up that do sometimes make me wonder, oh, was he doing more here than just writing, like, a fun, pulpy novel? But who well, can say? Of, like, <clears throat> like, the turn of the screw and 
you know, earlier gothic texts where the spooky thing is blurring these lines and like that's what's spooky about it. But it's like, this is fun. Like Rick doesn't give a shit about gender roles. He's so outside of society's bounds that like he doesn't have to be upset by this in the same way that like the manager you know he's immediately hurt that he's described as kind of like soft and weak but rick is like harnessing that to to get around things and to get what he wants which is cool yeah and we will big spoilers rick's rick's soft voice certainly not repellent to many people who hear it um Mm -hmm. but then and i didn't actually even put this in my notes but there's not the text version, but this translation actually leaves some question. Like, if you've only experienced, I'm fumbling. It would be easy to make the assumption that Eric is simply in the box alone. He absolutely didn't bring a companion. He's just bringing, he's involving props now to like flesh out the real life experience for himself, or he's just being goofy or something. He, I don't know. May, I'm not getting into what all he pays women for, but like, I don't think we actually know that he has no female companion in the box with him ever. Like, that's cool. I would like to be in his box. You could pay some lady to watch act two of an opera with you and then leave. Like, I don't know. It's, does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. What is he using the footstool for? And then jumping ahead a little bit, she says it's for his lady. I've never Mm -hmm. seen a lady, but. You know, sometimes I see like flowers left behind or like a fan one time was left behind. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then I fell down an internet rabbit hole about that and was late to record. But like, so as she's saying this, like, yeah, she says, I know I've never seen the Phantom. I've never seen his lady companion, but it is what it is. The security guy is behind her waving his arms at the managers. He's like, don't listen to her because she's a little, you know, pray for y'all. She does not, this does not have the intended effect because Richard Richard is like, then why are you employing her? Um, right. Like that's all, not, yeah, that's not the dunk you think it is. Like you are letting this woman listen to a ghost from nine to five. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, well, not nine to five because although Rick, if you weren't extorting them, maybe they could afford to pay Madame Jury more. Just a thought, but um, this is her five yeah. to nine yeah exactly and it's impossible truly to do all bangers all the time because it's throughout the book but uh it says here that she went on talking now full of her phantom she's just like me boasting of his generosity she says he tips really well usually but since there has been mess unfortunately he hasn't been giving her anything they say they're sorry to hear that like they're not they don't care they want to know how is it that he got this money to you in the past well he leaves it on the ledge there of course it's there with the program and this is when yeah some nights like you said there's flowers maybe a rose off his lady's gown one day they left a fan will i pipe some x-files music in here um there they ask what okay where do you think this fan is coming from like what what do you think the deal is i truly don't know because i haven't read this book do they do they ever tell us I don't know. I'm kind of split 50-50. Is he just doing trickery to enforce some sort of weird notion? Mm. Is Does he have a companion who watches part of the opera with him? He's never been seen, but I mean, with Rick, very, very many things are possible. So I don't know. Like, is it There's his pro- fan? Like, is he showing up with like a cool fan and he's just like throwing it? Like, oh, I, I hope that he, I hope it's from his outfit. 
I like that this is a real discussion we're having at this point, like that I've actually never discussed with you. I don't know. I tend to believe it's either intentional to throw people off the scent or some ladies watch an act too with him. Who can say? Mm. This also makes me think of like, is he stealing shit from oh. like Christine or something? And he's like holding on to it and like pretending like she's watching the opera with him or something. Like, is there something like that going on? I don't know. Don't tell me. <laughs> that would no that's interesting i kind of you know what if there's actually any scholarly discussion on this i would want to link to it in the show notes it's it's interesting the managers are like oh a fan really and what did you do with that and she's like well, i gave it back to him the next time security says well you broke protocol you're going to be fine richard whispers shut up you oaf all bangers they need to yeah. unionize these people are out of their minds yeah they want to know what the what the rest of the story is and she says well you know i put it back in the box at the end of the performance it was gone but in its place was a box of english chocolates just like the one like the one she likes best just typical of the phantom's kindness she says now i just love that he went to Dwayne reed yeah see okay same on his we did we did not discuss this pre-pod like okay so there's folks out there that will say eric simply never did anything wrong and if he was did he was justified Interpret the story how you will. I don't think that take makes for the most interesting story. We will come to see spoilers. This man has done all manner of dreadful things and will do. Does he get little treats for Christine? Absolutely. We will get there. But the ways in which we almost as an aside are reminded like Eric is a person. Christine is a person. Raul is a person. We all do mundane shit. (laughs) What a weird thing for me to monologue on. But the phrase just typical of the phantom's kindness is probably something that would get a big laugh considering the things he is more famous for but like he could just give this woman money he could always give her money but he determined that something that she really enjoys that by other clues were given she probably doesn't have that often you know by the way she speaks on it however brief this it sounds like it meant something to her like she just finished saying he hasn't been tipping her since the mayhem is he going to the store to get them for her did he pay someone to get them for her effort was put into that like he was it this reads to me like he was touched by the return of the fan and she was touched by the gift of the chocolate i don't know these very small human interactions in this otherwise often buck wild larger than life story they for me they support the larger point which spoilers again like this is just a dude a person like anyone else it excuses nothing but he's deeply human and it's this is in there and i like that yeah it's like even the notion that he is getting flowers for someone or even like that he went and got flowers even if no one else is in the box with him but like he's trying to like you know i'm gonna go get the popcorn and i go to the movies like he's trying to be like a regular you know what do people do when they go to the opera or and then the chocolates are kind of like uh a gesture to like another human being yeah bringing props with him it would be easy to write something like that off as just very creepy and sad and delusional however have you seen the movie the artist the black and white one yeah one yeah the one that now everyone makes fun of how it won best picture because it's a love letter to hollywood but like in in the beginning of it there's a part where i don't know that guy's coat is like hanging up on a sort of moving mannequin sort of thing and she's like doing a little dance with the coat and like wrapping its arms around her and because she's very pretty and this is like a charming happy story we don't see that as like you know pathetic it's a it's a bit um bittersweet maybe but i don't know maybe maybe this is just rick doing that sort of thing 
But so she, they tell her she can go. The managers have had absolutely enough of Madame Jury for this day. She does go, though not without, Gaston Leroux tells us, a certain dignity that she always retains. Uh, they tell the security guy after Madame Jury has left that Madame Jury is fired. Then they tell him that he can go. And since he's pretty with it by this time, he's like, dude, no, 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 please no. And sure enough, after that, he's fired. And then together, the managers are like, next time on Serial, we're going to check out Box 5. Literally, next time on Serial, we're going to check out Box 5. I'm excited. wonder what we're going to find there. Probably literally nothing. So prediction corner with Kara, how are you How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Um, I think, I don't think we're going to find anything. I don't think that the managers are going to be the ones to crack this case. I think we're going to eventually... <laughs> Miss Christine the Dia is going to show up and we're going to get more information from that. But I miss her. I want to know more about her. Yeah, I'm enjoying this a lot more than I thought I would. Not that I thought I wouldn't enjoy it, but I've read it a bunch. So I didn't expect to enjoy it quite this much. How, how so far has it lived up to like what you expected? It's it's cool. I think, unfortunately, like audiences reading the newspaper in 1885 probably had about the brain space that I do in 2022 of like, I have no attention span. I was reading it today and I was like, all right, when is this over? And it's and then the next page it was over and I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> like, thank right. you. Thank you, Gaston. He's, he's keeping it moving. He's keeping it very short. He's keeping it very like, here's the thing that happened. Like he's like stringing you along in a very purposeful way that I think is smart of him because he knows his audience is like probably just like regulars and like as a regular I appreciate that yeah no and this this is my first time reading it through with paying so much attention to these little details like obviously we know the larger plot of the story but good job Gaston Leroux I think it's going to be a hit is what I'm saying I think so I think it's going to go it's going to be great (laughs) I I think this story could really go places you know I think so. Um, I'm trying to think how we should end. Any last thoughts? I did my prediction corner. No, just uh, we have a segment. I thought we could do a segment called See Him in All Things, where we uplift yes. parts of culture yes. that remind us, you know, of the Phantom and of Eric. I know we both want to watch the movie Tar pretty soon because that sounds like <laughs> it has a character see Rick in all things. Yeah, even as portrayed by Kate Blanchett. So, yeah. um, I'm watching The Crown. I feel like he's not in The Crown, but someone brought up recently on our mutual Discord server that Daniel Day-Lewis is literally Rick. Um, And so I'm looking at pictures of Daniel Day-Lewis with his sleeves rolled up for, it's just like for health and wellness. So, um, you know, get Daniel Day-Lewis back from being retired from acting and then put him in a LaRoe. Ugh, a LaRoe. And then, and then he's going to say no because my last film was Phantom Thread, which yeah. I mean, I mean, we can make jokes, but people who have arguably less brain rot than us have said, this is a very Phantom adjacent story, not just from the title, but like, he's a controlling perfectionist man who is also very gifted at what he does. He's a fucking nightmare. I mean, he looks like Daniel Day-Lewis, so there's that, but yeah. Yeah, Phantom Thread, um, Tar, just really lifting up movies about charismatic, dreadful people. We love to see it. We love to see it. And there we go. I'm excited for next week. You were saying it's jam-packed, this next chapter? The next chapter is called The Magic Violin, and I will just say that when I read it after, a couple months after seeing the musical, 
this was the first chapter that had that kind of spellbinding effect that you get when you're reading something really exciting to you for the first time like as a child and it's just really kind of it's really putting you in the story it's the chapter that had the most that I recognized from the musical to me but also just I don't know the magical elements of the story really really started to work on me there so I'm so excited to talk about it I'm excited all right should we end on a song no (laughs) I mean I might play a song but we'll end on everybody manifest manifest those closing night tickets Oh, you're I know. In, you're in my I thoughts. mean, we're going to be fans of influencers, but, you know, simply hasn't hasn't come through yet. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. I'm going to finish recording. Bye. Bye.